0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Welcome
1: to the first Fireaway Friday in 2023. And we're going to do a little bit different today. We're starting off with two questions that was given to us through Facebook or Word at AFR.net. And then we'll take your phone calls. And that number is 888 589 8840 Alex, uh, again, we get, we're get we getting more and more uh, people asking questions at Word and on Facebook. So we decided we would look at that and try to—we usually save them up for a program, but we're getting so many. We're not able to do that, so we thought we'd start off with these questions today. Are you ready for
2: them, brother? Uh, well, I believe we are, and I just want to say a big thank you to all the people that listen and all the people that— uh, Many call in with questions, many email questions in, but Bert, yesterday uh, Angie and I were going over some emails, and somebody, they said, uh, hey, I'll listen to you and Bert, and here's my question, and I just wanted to ask it, because we trust you all. And I just (laughs) want to say that uh, that is such a blessing, and we don't take it lightly, we give God the glory, but the fact that folks would trust us
1: with Bible content, that's very meaningful, isn't it? It is meaningful, and we praise the Lord for that, and we want to be worthy of that trust. Our goal is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our ultimate goal. We do that by looking at the Word as accurately as we can, openly, of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, and that's what we do. So let's go to this question. It was sent in by Jesse on Facebook. Was Noah's Ark really found on Mount Ararat near Turkey? Uh, everything matches the size, and he is wondering could we elaborate on that? Have you heard that lately about a possibility of him finding the ark Alex
2: Well, you know um, this seems to kind of come around every now and then and there there have been different reported sightings of things on Mount Ararat some more credible than others i mean there was a a book probably in the 1980s called adventure on Ararat that um and then there was one, a very famous one by a french explorer and it said noah's
1: ark i touched it do you remember that one Barry? i remember that and it, again it comes up just every so often And uh, some pictures that I've seen that they've taken, you know, it looks like the outline of an ark there. Uh, I don't know if it was fixed or real. Uh, We're waiting to see for sure. But if we don't even find out for sure, archaeological, that they found it, we know it happened, Alex.
2: Exactly. And let me say, as compelling as it would be, um, and this is worth talking about, I don't know that we've ever really talked that much about Noah's Ark on Exploring the Word. You know, uh, the top of Mount Ararat... Uh, is a glacier, and so somebody might ask the question, "Well, my goodness, you know, from you know, four thousand years ago plus, how could that thing have survived?" Well, presumably, if it were encased in ice, it, it might have. But I want to tell you um, something that's, I believe, even more compelling proof of Noah's flood, and that is the the presence of marine. Fossils yeah. on all the tops of all the mountain ranges in the world. Now, these are very often called nautiloid fossils. You've heard the word like uh, nautical, you know, as in ocean going. Well, nautiloid fossils are like shrimp and fish and marine life and bird also in the deserts. This is amazing. And what the the fossils, aquatic fossils in all of the deserts, on all the mountain tops, what do we conclude that the world at one point was underwater?
1: I, I, there is no other option that I could ever think of to find that. And then to find, like right, right here in northeast Mississippi, we've got areas where we find shark's tooth all the time. They're just, Really? Uh, yeah, we've got an area up there close to where I was born and raised. And uh, my two grandsons went up there and they dug around, found shark's tooth and uh so there uh, that's right uh, here in northeast mississippi well way yes one more question real quickly before we go any further and i really wanted to answer this and it really it's a comment this caller called uh, or wrote in and said that you know we sometimes people are called in and they said they've been a christian their whole life and said you can't be a christian your whole life we understand that and we know that but a lot of times it's someone who was saved at an early age, like me, saved at 12 years old. I've been saved most of my life, all except those first 12 years old. Let just meet, let's just let make this plain. You must be born again. There Amen. must have come a time when you received Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, just because you were raised in church, as as David Jeremiah would say, he had a drug problem. He was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And uh so you know uh, yes yes, you must be born again, you're not born a Christian, and right. uh, you must be born again so I'll, Alex, that was important to comment on, I thought
2: well amen, well, the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty if you want to call in with a question uh, are you ready that we're ready to, to go telephone? to the
1: first caller We got the first two down from uh, Facebook, so we'll get more next Friday.
2: Well, we're gonna to go to Alabama and speak with AJ. AJ, thanks for holding and welcome to the first Fireaway Friday of twenty twenty
3: three. Hey, not bad. Brother Alex and Brother Burt uh called in about a year and a half ago. But and happy new to you guys, and I appreciate you guys uh laying out the truth, brother Bert and brother. I got much respect for you guys. Uh, well, but I want to ask you, you a friend. question, uh and I'm and I'm and I'm pretty sure sometime last year in 2022. You remember there was a conversation uh, about deleting the part in the Lord's prayer, and I was telling your, uh, your call screener there that when I don't make it to church, I got about four or five pastors that I have got 9,000 percent in, okay, that I listen to on the radio or on TV. One of them's Adrian Rodgers, your favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> and But the other one is Tony Evans, and, and I'm not going to say this one guy's name, but he, he he's a great pastor, too. But... He was, I forgot what his sermon was on, but it's part of his sermon was he was talking about the Lord's Prayer. And when he recited it and he had the congregation recite it with him, he left out, lead us not into temptation. And I remember hearing something about that on the radio on another program and on the TV about how the Pope uh, wanted to delete that. And, it's, and it wasn't just him, a couple of Christian pastors said they agree with they shouldn't have been in the Lord's Prayer. And the first thing came to my mind being this retired Army guy, just retired from a second job in November, uh, are you serious? You're going to really change what God put in the Bible and taught us how to pray that prayer lead to lead us not into temptation? That Why would God put that in the Lord's Prayer? Because Jesus said it every Bible I check, but he, <laughs> he said it and he left it out. And I, I couldn't believe that he did it. And I said, maybe it was an accident.
1: But I know some people are saying
3: that should have been left out.
1: Well, A.J., I want to tell you, first of all, we thank you for your service. I know you've retired. But, man, praise God for men like you that serve and then take the word of God as it is given. Alex, that took place about two years ago, if I remember my time right. Lead us not into temptation. I think you've got to finish that statement. Uh, But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, again, the emphasis is lead us, not in the, you know, we want to be led right. We don't want to be led astray, and and God's going to lead us right. But our our uh, tendency is to go astray, isn't it?
2: It, it is. And, and let me say, um, some of the people that would leave out those last words, you know, it might be, Uh, because the way the King James renders it, "...and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, Amen." There's there's actually another little, I don't want to say controversy, but discussion about those last, what's called the doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I'll come to that in a moment. But you're right, God would never lead us into evil. I mean, God would only lead us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake... Um, I think the heart of the prayer is, you know, Lord, prevent me from wandering off. Yeah. You know, Lord, please intervene in my life so that I don't stray away. Um, another thing, though, Bert, um, the manuscripts of the New Testament, the New Testament was written uh, in Greek, right? And at the time the King James Bible was written, um, there were manuscripts that ha- they were available to the translators, and in the four hundred years since the original translation of the King James, other manuscripts have come about. And Bert, um, I always I kind of groan a little when sometimes translations they will leave out a verse, and then in the 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 tiny tiny print at the bottom of the page they'll say some manuscripts don't have this. Well, okay, but the majority do. So uh, my point, folks, is. I appreciate when translations try to put in all of these details about which manuscripts uh, manuscripts have contained something or else, but here's my point, folks. The Bible, as you have known it and loved it, is the true Word of God, and I, I really think that um, unless you're in a, a graduate school class, it's probably not all that helpful to talk about all these manuscript fragments that get discovered, because what we have in wonderful translations like the King James or the New King James or the New American Standard, Um, it's the Word of God as originally given and
1: as God has preserved. It really is. And so, A.J., listen, stay with the Word of God. And again, the thrust of that is that we, Lord, help me not to wander. There's that old song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the one I love. That is our tendency. So we want to stay with God. Alex got about a minute and a half. Let's get the second question in. See how quick we can do it. Lewis in California. Lewis, welcome to the program. Oh yeah, I was
3: uh asking you now when did when was the first time that was sin came to the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God or was it the fallen Angels?
1: Okay, great question, Lewis. Alex, uh we we've had that question before. There seems to be that Satan had Fallen from the heavens. We know that from Ezekiel and Isaiah, don't we? Well, we really do. Well, Ezekiel and Isaiah and also
2: from uh, Luke ten eighteen, where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from yep. heaven. Uh, the angel Lucifer tried to overthrow God. Uh, you can read about that in Isaiah chapter 14. And Lucifer uh, was cast out of heaven. And here's the thing. He couldn't kill God, so he's tried to harm those made in God's image, the human race.
1: And Adam and Eve, they were there in the garden in a perfect paradise, and yet they sinned. It shows the fallen nature of man. Turn to God and trust Him now and always. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after this break.
4: This is Pause to Pray a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
5: Today, we pray for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Justice Thomas is the most senior associate justice on the court and is the second African American to serve on the court. Job twelve twelve reminds us of the wisdom that comes with age and experience. Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? right now with this in mind let's pray together almighty god we ask you to grant wisdom and guidance to justice thomas that he may continue to serve our country in the name of justice we ask this in jesus name amen pause to
4: pray is a service of this station and the presidential prayer team a nonprofit nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders to learn more go to pausetopray.org Dr. Tony Evans says Satan is not only busy attacking individual lives, he's working out his agenda on a much bigger scale. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony.
5: Satan is behind the princes of nations, provoking them, empowering them, To destroy whole nations and groups of people. When you understand he wants you as an individual, then he wants your family, then he wants the church that's supposed to be the light to the world, and then he wants the society to run it down, you understand that we're in a spiritual battle. And it's more than who you elect and which congressman is uh, representing you in the state or in the national legislative body of Congress or in the state legislature, which senator. It has to do with the spiritual issue of Satan and God. And until you can trace back your personal POW status, your family POW status, your church's POW status, or your society's POW status back to the spiritual conflict, Satan got you because he's got you wrestling against flesh and blood. And not against principalities, powers, world forces that are located where? Heavenly places many of you here today are still reeling from the spiritual warfare you grew up under as a child many of you are here are reeling today because you've been made a prisoner of war of self-esteem because your parents were being used of the evil one to beat you down and to let you know you were nothing are nothing never gonna be anything you became trapped in that prisoner of war status and now you think like a prisoner of war because you've been living in that cell so long and so that's the battle we face
0: If you need help breaking free
4: from whatever Satan has used to keep you tied down, visit us at TonyEvans.org for details on Tony's book called Warfare. That's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
6: In Him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Ephesians 1.11.
0: American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
2: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back. So honored that you're listening on today's edition of Fire Away Friday. By the way, I want to give the telephone number. It's triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. That's 888-589-8840. If you've got a Bible question, today would be a great day to call in. And Bert Harper and I will try to do our best to give you an answer. And if you want to email a question in, and we get a fair amount uh, of questions online, it's Word. W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. And, uh, Bert, I've got an online question right now from somebody. And, again, folks, the telephone number, 888-589-8840. But uh, let me do one of these online questions from a listener. May I do that, Bert? Go right ahead. Well, somebody writes, uh, is gambling a sin? Uh, Now, I know, Bert, I do a lot of traveling. It seems like everywhere I go there's lottery and... Even in some states, casinos and, um, you know, pick three numbers and all that
1: kind of thing. Oh, what is a Christian position on gambling, Bert? Well, let me just tell you, if you ask different Christians, you'll get different answers. And uh, I'm one of those that I, I, whether it's sin is difficult. It's kind of like drinking alcohol. The Bible does not say that drinking alcohol is sin. Drunkenness is the sin. And but if you don't drink alcohol, guess what? You don't have to worry about Drunkenness. Uh, being drunk. Yes. And I'll, and I would say the same thing, kind of use that guide in gambling uh, <laughs> that there is, you know, don't count tomorrow. You know, uh, I, I'll just say it's very unwise. I, have you looked at the casinos uh, and and see how well developed they are and how nice they are. Who do you mm. think wins most of the time? The person that oh. gambles or the house? The house always wins. <laughs> it always wins. That. Yeah. So Alex, I'd say it's unwise now to put it in that category of definitely being a uh, a you know sin. I'd have to say if it offends my weaker brother, I'll not do it. And so it's one of those areas I think it's unwise to do so.
2: Wow. Well, that's good counsel pastor Burt, and and i would agree i heartily agree and it, it's a stewardship issue too i mean you think about it uh even the money that we earn is is not really ours it
1: does belong to the lord doesn't it it really is it's his the cattle on the hill are, are, are on a thousand hills the hills are his as well so it's his <laughs>
2: that's right james in mississippi james you're on exploring the word welcome
6: hello how are you guys
2: Good. Thank you for calling.
6: Hey, I want to say a, a quick prayer for you and uh, Mr. Burt. Be real quick. All right. Go ahead, James. Uh, Father God, I pray for Bert and Alex. I pray that you would be with them this year as they serve you and travel about. I just pray that you'd keep them safe and they would listen to your voice for whatever you would have them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank amen. you, James. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, brother. That's very special. Amen.
2: I, I really appreciate that. All right, here's my question.
6: Does it say anywhere in the Bible where, where Jesus said, I am the law, Moses, or did he say anything that that would lead you to believe that that, that he would said something like that?
2: Bert, let me jump in here for a second. Uh, uh, great question. Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Now, the the revealed law of God flows from the character and nature of God. Uh, Scholars have asked this question, uh, is something right because God does it, or does God do it because it's right? And so God always does what's right because his nature is righteousness and holiness. Now, Bert, I'm not going to say that the New Testament... I, I don't see where Jesus said that he is the law, but He completely in every way fulfilled the law so that when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, in the eyes of God, we go to heaven on Christ's righteousness,
1: don't we, Bert? We really do. Now, let me tell you who He is. He is, because Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, He is the lawgiver. And the law the lawgiver demonstrated His nature. Uh, the Ten Commandments demonstrates the nature of God. Is it also tells a society, this is how you operate. It's never given for the purpose of salvation. Uh, Paul said it was even given that we might understand we need salvation, you know, Alex? because nobody can keep the law. but he came to fulfill it and uh, that's what he did. I find nowhere where it says, I am the law. Now in the book of John gospel, we've been looking at that. is there seven yeah, there's seven great I ams in the, in the Gospel of John the bread, the light, you know, but it doesn't say I'm the law.
2: Right. Good question, though. Uh, Irene in Kansas. Uh, do, I, do I have that right, Irene? Are you in Kansas?
6: Yes, I'm in Kansas.
2: I, uh, I bet you all have snow right now, don't you?
6: Actually, it's all melted right now.
2: Really? Well, um, spring will come around one of these yes. days, but uh, thank you for listening, Irene. What you got today?
6: Our uh, Women's Bible Study Group is uh, studying the hymns and how to apply them to our lives today the first hymn that we're studying is the doxology and i am realizing i know very little about the doxology except we sang it every sunday since i was a child um, and i wondered if you knew more about it and that my research shows there were actually 15 verses but i've only ever heard one
1: okay Great question. Wow. Listen, I grew up at my church, Wheeler Baptist Church, where I was saved, baptized, called to preach, married, Jan there. We sang the doxology every Sunday. I always thought it's uh, I, when we started singing, you know, choruses. I know doxology is different. I said, well, the doxology was kind of like a, a chorus because the way we, we sang it. Alex, do you know much about the doxology?
2: Well, uh, it's very interesting, Uh, I grew up singing it too, you know, the words very famously, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and a couple of things I want to say, the Greek word doxa, D-O-X-O, is the word for glory, you know, so the doxology, uh, O-L-O-G-Y, ology, is a word about something, okay, now, for instance, theology, theos is the Greek word for God, Uh, ology, O-L-O-G-Y, is a word, so... Theology is a word about God. Doxology is literally means a word of praise. And so very often the doxology that we sang, you know, um, praise Him, all creatures here below, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it's often called the Trinitarian doxology because it mentions Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Sometimes it's called Old 100th. Did you ever hear it? See, in if you look in old hymn books... The doxology, praise God, from whom all blessings flow, is called Old 100th, because many of the words come from the 100th Psalm. Bert, I don't know a whole lot more than that, but I know this. It is a very appropriate song to sing. And like so many of those old hymns, the words are
1: spot on. And what they teach, they do glorify the Lord. It lives up to its name. Doxology, glory, glory. To him, Alex, it does live up to its name, doesn't it? It does. Irene,
2: that sounds like a very wonderful study you all are doing. I I commend you. I really do. Well, um, Sandra in Arkansas. Sandra, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
6: Well, thank you. Um, My question is, um, when you die, do you go straight to the grave or do you go to heaven? Is heaven the same as paradise? Because I know the thief on the cross went to paradise.
1: Okay, great, great question. The answer to that first one is grave or heaven? The answer is yes. Your body goes to the grave. Your soul goes straight to heaven. And so, uh, yes, the soul of man, that's the part that's living. Uh, Remember, Paul talked about it uh, being a tabernacle, you know? Mm, In other words, it was. What was the tabernacle? A temporary dwelling. Uh, The dwelling of the tabernacle as it was given in the wilderness was not to be the final location of the ark, uh, you know, the Holy of Holies, it was to be in the temple. So, Alex, uh, this body we have as believers and even as those that are lost is temporary, isn't it? Well, it it really is, Bert.
2: Um, I think all Christians, especially those that have experienced bereavement, and, you know, I I participated in two funerals last week of uh, people, but both of whom were believers, and I think this verse is such a comfort. Second Corinthians 5, verse 6. Paul said this to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for a believer. And so the the body, the uh as some writers would say, this this mortal coil is shed. The body is buried in the grave. Uh Bert, let me just chase a rabbit for a second, folks. Um, I don't know if you saw this in the news last week. They're they're talking about green burials, and out on the west coast they're experimenting with um, even people. And it, I know this is hard to say, but hear me out: uh, the corpses of deceased persons being like uh, dissolved in acid. Uh, I don't like that. I think it's it's almost equal to like the the erasure of the person. And let me say in Christian theology, uh, personhood matters. Every person is is made in the image of God. And Christian burial, I know the body is there and the the Spirit is in heaven with God. But, you know, Christians have always, because of our high view of personhood, and we're made in the image of God, Christian burial for 2,000 years has been kind of a very significant thing. Generally, Christians were buried facing east because the day will come when the graves will be open and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so, Bert, the minute we die... As Erwin Lutzer said, one minute after you die the believers in the presence of God, but one day there's going to be a resurrection and the glorified body. And so uh I really think only the biblical worldview has a fully, fully orbed view of life, death and eternity, don't you think? It know? is.
1: You're exactly right. Let me just say this. Our soul goes to heaven, but one day that soul will be reunited with a glorified body. Now, I don't know exactly how all that's going to happen. Uh, we're, you know, we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and the mortal will put on immortality. And, and that's for those that are alive, but those that are dead will come, and somewhere along the line we will receive our glorified bodies. Again, the sequence uh alex again better it's sort of like eschatology when you start putting the sequence down very detailed now i think you can do it with a a justifiable big picture you know Mm -hmm. here we have uh, the rapture you have the tribulation you have christ coming back but when you get down to so many details concerning the sequence you you better be careful there guys Mm -hmm. i'll just put it that way but also in when we get the glorified body Uh, The marriage supper of the Lamb, when will all that be? Uh, Leave a little room there. Uh, Listen, God's not listening to you. You better you just be ready to be on God's schedule, amen?
2: Well, and one last thing she asked about paradise is heaven paradise. Now, I'm going to say heaven is going to be paradisical. It will be perfect in every way. But um, when Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, Uh, as I understand it, prior to Christ's resurrection, uh, the the saints of old, the believing dead, went to a place that is also sometimes called Abraham's bosom. Yeah. Now, this was before the resurrection. I believe after the resurrection of Christ, though, all of the saints of old, from you know uh, all the old, from King David to the prophet Isaiah, they're in heaven with God now, as every believer today will be. Uh, but um, paradise of the Old Testament is not exactly heaven as it is now and when paul said absent from the body present with the lord second corinthians 5 6 I-, I think that means present today in heaven
1: wherever thank- he is that's where we're going to be call it i believe you're right exactly paul was caught up into the third heaven and i yeah. believe that's where uh, the dwelling place of god's throne and so thank you so much for that good call sandra
2: rhett in kentucky Rhett, thanks for holding. And by the way, folks, I see a lot of people holding. I surely do appreciate it. We're going to do our very best to get to each and every one of you. But Rhett in Kentucky, welcome.
4: How are y'all today? Doing
2: Bliss. good, brother. Good.
3: Appreciate, appreciate what you're doing. Just want to throw a question out there, and then I'll hang up. Uh, baptism, uh, just general answer of why do we do it? Is it? How is it related in regards to salvation? You know, sometimes that is a discussion.
4: Um, and just want to listen to you just elaborate a little bit
3: on the
6: the ordinance or the following of Lord and baptism and how's it tied to those things. And I'll
1: let y'all just take that away. Okay, thank you, Rhett. Thank you so much. Alex, water baptism is important. It is important to follow Jesus Christ in discipleship. It's not essential for a salvation, but it is important in the area of discipleship and it is a testimony. Listen, everything else, Red, is a testimony. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, when you are standing there, uh, you're buried with Christ, raised in units of life. It is a demonstration of what God has done for us and in us, isn't it, Alex?
2: Amen, amen. You know what, uh, there's a couple of words. There's There's baptized and baptism. And Galatians 3.27 says that if we believe in Jesus, we are baptized into Christ. And so every Christian is already baptized, you might say, in terms of, you know, you're into Jesus, you're you're in Christ. Now, in like Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where it says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit— just like uh, you wear a wedding ring. I've got one on right now. Those watching online, you can see. Now, putting on this band of gold wasn't what got me married. But I wear this to show that I am married. And, and I think that's a public proclamation of the faith when we are water baptized in, in church,
1: Bert. It is. And I, I just want to tell you, uh, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You come He only through him. He is the way. We're going to be back with more of your questions right after this break.
0: Hello, my name is Todd Friel. I am the host of Wretched Radio, heard right here on American Family Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight Central Standard Time. Not to brag, but Wretched Radio from 10 p.m. till midnight is the single best Christian radio program on American Family Radio at that time period. That's right. We hope that you'll join us Saturday night. See for yourself from 10 p.m. till midnight for Wretched Radio on American Family Radio.
4: From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt.
0: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
4: Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps.
0: Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Rejoice with those who rejoice. My
3: name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Michael, a five-year-old boy, showed up at the courthouse in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for an adoption hearing with his foster parents, and he had a crowd of unusual supporters. Michael's entire kindergarten class sat in the audience behind him, waving big red hearts mounted on wooden sticks to show their support. The kindergartners offered the most touching answers, standing up and telling the court, I love Michael, or Michael's my best friend. Michael's new father and mother had been married nearly 10 years, and he'd been living with them as a foster child for more than a year. Adoption truly
0: is at the heart of the gospel. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
2: Well, it's glory. the Word is back. It's a great day. It's Fireway Friday. And by the way, in this new year, 2023, it's a great year to read through the Bible. Now, I realize we're half a dozen days into the new year, but if you read three chapters a day, five on Sunday, you can do this in under 30 minutes every single day, and you've got time to get caught up if you're just now starting. But maybe this will be the year that you'll read through the entire Word of God this year, Read three chapters a day, five on Sunday, and in this year, you can read through God's Word. Well, we're going to go to Kenneth in Mississippi. I, I think, potentially, Kenneth, you've got some clarification for us on a previous question, but uh, welcome, Kenneth. Uh,
4: yes. Uh, can you hear
1: me? Yes, sir. Hello? Yeah, go yeah, right we, ahead, Kenneth. Well, we got loud and clear, brother.
4: Uh. Yeah, somebody called earlier about, uh, uh, they asked, did Jesus say he is the law of Moses? And on the third season of The Chosen, I heard I heard that's where he said it. That's where he, he said that. And I figured that guy was getting that from there. And I was just wondering what you guys thought about it. Is it wrong for this character to say that? Uh, what do you guys think?
1: Okay, thank you so much, you. Kenneth. Listen, Alex, any time you begin to dramatize events in the Bible or the Bible, it's like the the Ten Commandments, one of your favorite, in mine, where Charlton <laughs> yeah. Heston uh, they they put words in there that sometimes, oh, that's not exactly right, and the chosen is the same way. Uh, but saying it that plain, that's I, I would say that's carrying it pretty far, even yeah. for. Uh, you know, for dramatic appearances there. Would you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh in general I like the chosen series. I have to confess I've only seen the first one, so I've not seen it all. And and I um I, I really think their heart is in the right place and they're trying to, you know, bring the four gospels to life. Um so I haven't seen season three or anything like that. But um yeah, that might be pushing it, I would bet. And by the way, Kenneth, thank you, because this does help me understand where the other caller was was getting it. But I, I think they might have had in mind Matthew five seventeen, where Jesus said, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill. But, you know, uh, whether it be the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston or the Chosen series or any of the, the films about biblical things, I think they're fine to watch and consider. But remember... Draw your your firm conclusions from the Word of God itself. That that's what I would say. But uh, Warren from Tennessee, uh, Warren, <laughs> thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Good.
6: Word. Hey, Will, thanks for taking my call, Bert and
4: Alex. Appreciate it. I uh, was inspired this past weekend, beginning of the year, to uh, say a blessing for my family. Got a young family that's expecting their second child and my second grandchild, and. You know, I, I'm familiar with the Arianic blessing, and I hear that, see that quoted all over the place. But how does that? How how
1: do I bless or say a blessing, or do I just have a prayer for my family? Ah, uh, listen, now, I people- believe I believe in the blessing. Let me give you a book, Alex, and I love to recommend books. John Trent wrote a book, The Blessing. If you mm-hmm. can get a hold of that, I, I just want to tell you, uh, Warren, it'll be a blessing to you, and it and it. Gri- I would say it grafts it in. So what you do, you take the Old Testament ironic ironic uh, blessing and the prayer and we pray for our family and you graft it in and praying for your family and a blessing over them. I uh, I it's a it's a great opportunity. Alex, go ahead. Well, and
2: you know, it's funny, we were talking about the doxology, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Very often in some of the churches, there's what's called the the postlude, there's a prelude and a postlude, P-O-S-T-L-U-D-E, and the postlude, taken from number six, very often is the Aaronic Blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious and be gracious unto you. Bert, have you ever heard a choir sing that at that time? Yeah. Yes. And so I think it's very appropriate. Now, Aaron was instructed to speak this over the people of Israel, and I think it's wonderful, especially, hey, men, for a godly daddy to pray and proclaim a blessing like this over his children and grandchildren. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. So, Bert, I know we're not under the law. We're not trying to reestablish the law of Moses or anything like that. But I think something like that is especially meaningful in the family and in the church. It is,
1: and it's repeated in Psalm 67. But verse 2 of Psalm 67, one of my favorite sermons I preach is based upon this. It says in Psalm 67, 1 and 2, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now listen, why would God do that? Why do I want the blessing? Listen to verse 2. That your way, O God, may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. The blessing that you pray over your children and your grandchildren is not just for their benefit. It is for the mission work of God that the, your his way might be observed in our lives, in their lives, and bring nations to Christ. So, Alex, that's the rest of the story. So the blessing is not selfish by itself. It is evangelistic and missional. Amen.
2: Well, Ruth in Arkansas. Ruth, thank you for holding. You're on the American Family Radio Network. Welcome.
6: Thank you for um, having me. Um, I hope you can hear me.
2: Yes,
1: we're we, good. We Ruth, good yes.
2: connection.
6: Yeah. Um, we're in a Bible study that we're studying Joel and my question is concerning when he talks about all the locust swarms and then he goes on to talk about the, the prophecy. Did that did the locust swarms ever happen in history? And or is that all future? Is it hap- is that what happens in Revelation with all the um, the bad things that happen and then God restores?
1: Ruth, thank you for your call. Alex, let me start first on this. Joel is is the second uh, person or the second prophet in the minor prophets. The time frame of Joel is not as sure as it is like with Isaiah, Hosea. It, it's kind of difficult, but it is true. That's what was happening. It wasn't that. It was future. That was happening right there when you read that in in the first chapter, the locusts have eaten, then the swarming locusts have eaten. This was catastrophic. And there's three key words in understanding that before you get to to chapter 2, verse 25. He says, Awake. After after you've seen this destruction, awake, you drunkard, and see what's happening. So you need to awake, observe everything. And then in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Return. Turn to me. And then finally in chapter 2, verse 25, he says, "I'll restore that." So that's a three-point sermon. Anybody want to preach it? It will preach. I. I. one of my. I've. This is the day of my favorite sermons, Alex. I love that sermon when it talks about awake, return, restore. That's, that's what right. God wants to do in our lives when destruction has happened. Well,
2: and thank you, Bert. And by the way, let me tell you, folks, hearing Bert Harper pl- preach is a blessing. And uh, any of your sermons you want to reference, uh, we welcome that
1: because— <laughs> Well, I have good. sermons. You have books. So <laughs> Well, your hey, books, me, I love them, brother. Amen.
2: One of the beautiful things—and and this is worth talking about. Uh, like you said, Joel is one of the minor prophets— Probably writing around eight hundred and forty five to eight fifty b c okay, so we're talking about eight eight hundred years before the birth of Christ. one of my favorite verses joel two twenty five says "The Lord restores the years the locusts have eaten, and we've used that many times because I think, look, if we think we're discouraged and we've lost too much time, no. God restores the years the locust has eaten. But back in Joel like 1-4, it talks about locusts devouring crops. Now, uh, in Jeremiah 51, Jeremiah talks about armies on horseback invading like locust. So in Joel, is it really insects that devoured the crops? Is it um, an invading army? Or is it a future time like in... The tribulation, but I think it could actually be all three, just like in in Isaiah seven, uh, some dual fulfillment of uh, the the virgin and which is Israel, and then the virgin Mary years later that would bring forth Jesus. So I think it's probably both and. But one, one last thought before we go to Frank in Ohio, you know, very often God would have to get Israel's attention, and sometimes that was through drought. That was through famine, you know? And so all those insects eating up the crops uh, caused them to cry
1: out to God, didn't it? It did. Looking at Ukraine right now with what Russia, their invasion of Ukraine, guess what it's caused? It, it's caused famine. It has caused disaster. So usually one does not happen by itself. If you notice that in the Old Testament, look at the prophecy that you're talking about in the book of, of Revelation it is compounded. Now, what's going to happen there? It's not just going to be one. It's not just going to be two. It's going to be all the catastrophic things that happen, and it's it's the difficulty that's there. So great, mm. great question, Ruth. I, I appreciate you calling in and asking that.
2: Frank in Ohio, thank you for holding, and welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hello, Bert and Alex. Uh, really appreciate you guys and i'm sure you're
4: familiar with this uh, football player demar hamlin that got injured last monday night all i've been hearing from uh, radio and tv is people are sending out their prayers and now that the lord has touched this man it's time for us to give thanks amen. and i just like to thank the lord for touching demar and amen amen I hey frank we
1: all need to, we all need to to thank God for what he's done. Amen. Would you lead us in that prayer, Frank? Would you, brother? I'll try. Go ahead, man. (laughs) I'm rejoicing, too. Lord Jesus, thank you for
4: what you've done. You've heard millions and millions of people praying for this man, asking for you to touch him, and recently you have done that. You've answered Mm. our prayers, and now we want to thank you for what you've done for Damar and his family, and we want the word to get out that you are God, and you're the one that we turn to
1: when it when we're in our need. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Frank, thank you thank from you. the bottom of our hearts for reminding us to do that. I had observed that, and I thought about it, and, brother, thank you. Amen, amen. Alex.
2: That is great. Praise God. Well, uh, Michael in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, you're yeah. on. Welcome.
6: Yes. Yeah. All right, uh, thank you for taking my call, y'all. And uh, what I was wanting to ask was, I teach a class on Wednesday night for men, and we're studying the Book of Job. And at the beginning part where it talks about him being blameless before the Lord, uh, I was teaching the uh, that you know God knew his heart. And one of the guys in there said that uh, we're not supposed to pay attention to the heart. The heart would be can be deceived, which there is scripture that supports that, and our mind should be renewed by the by the you know renewing of His Word daily. But to me, the heart uh, is where I'm convicted. That's where I hide God's God's word at. Um, there's and I've got in the concordance and read both sides. Whether you're looking at the mind or the heart, and so my question is is you know uh, is one more important than the other Amen. uh i know they both need to be fed the word of god so um
1: thank you Michael. The great question alex you go first I'll, if you have any if anything you hadn't covered i'll i'll say something afterwards yeah you know uh first
2: thessalonians five twenty three twenty four twenty five 24 25 talks about body soul and spirit. And so the body is our physical body, obviously. And our spirit is really the eternal part of us that will everlastingly be in either heaven or hell. And then what we call soul is really the word from which we get psyche, P-S-Y-C-H-E, our mind, our memories, our knowledge. uh, And there's a lot of overlap. In fact, you know, great stress and duress in our mind can cause, you know, sickness in our body sometimes, so there's an overlap. But now in Jeremiah 17, where it says, the heart is deceitful and wicked, I really think there's an overlap there because in our pneuma, our spirit, we have the fallen sin nature. In our mind, we have good thoughts, bad thoughts. We have true things, false things. So sometimes, like in the Jeremiah, you know, there's just, in a general sense, body and soul, the physical, the non-physical. But I do think that, uh, like, the fact that we are three parts, body, soul, and spirit, Uh, we strive for health in our body, uh, holiness in our spirit, and joy and righteousness, and I'm going to tell you the key, and I'm going to throw it to you, Bert, Philippians 4.8, speaking of our mind, our our heart, our soul, Philippians 4.8 says, if anything is good and true and noble and praiseworthy and virtuous, think on these things. Yes. So... um. Yeah, it's okay to listen to your heart as long as your heart, your mind, your priorities are informed by and led by the Word of God and His truth. Would you agree?
1: I agree me? fully. Let me just remind you, it says, If you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, what is that? Your mind, will, and emotions. With your Amen. mind, you understand. With your will, you decide. And with emotions, you follow. And so, good question. I think we got a real quick question. I think we might get to it, Alex. What do you think? S- Stephen in Virginia. Stephen, welcome to Exploring the Word. Just one minute left, Stephen. Make it quick, brother.
4: Okay, thank you guys for taking my call. And I'd like to address where, um they say, um, is gambling a sin. The Lord says, um, godliness with contentment is greatly gained. And the reason why someone gambles is because they're discontent.
3: And because they're discontent, this they fall on the greedy lucre. And that
6: is covetousness. It all falls on the covetousness.
2: Is- wow, good. Stephen, thank you good. so much. That's good, Alex. It is. You ended us on a strong note, folks. Let our heart be tethered to the Lord and not anything down here below.
1: Godliness and contentment brings what? Great gain. That's better than putting a wage on it, isn't it, Alex?
2: It is. Bert, I want you to have the last word, but folks, I want to say thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Hey, be in church on Sunday. Be in church and under the sound of the
1: Word of God. That's the right thing to do, isn't it? It is, and so I want you to do this. Listen to AFR, tell someone about Exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus.